Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. that God has given us. We look at how God is advancing his mission as he has commanded us to do this as a church. We love the local church because this is where we give ourselves for the advancement of God's mission. What we desire here at Living Hope even as Andre was saying, even with some of the stuff that he presented there, you think of Pretoria West and you think of many other things that we have been involved in over the years. It's clear for us as Living Hope that we want to take seriously what God has commanded us. We are not here every Sunday just for the fun of it. We are not here meeting and going out just because we don't have anything else to do. We are here because we have a commander. We're here because we have a mission. The Lord himself is our head. He is the one who has commissioned us. And we love the local church because God, even as we think of living hope, even as we think of many other local churches, that way, that's where he has gathered his people, and from there, he sends them out into many, many different areas. So that is what we're going to be talking about today. How we advance the mission of God. And I thought it's very important that I at least mention, before I even start, why I love the local church. Pastor Andre beat me to it already. Why I love the local church and why I love living hope and why I love every local church that Christ has formed. I love God and I love this church and I thank him for this church in particular because we're not that old if you think about it. Living Hope has not been here for like 100 years or 50 years or even 20 years. But we have seen how God has worked to start something great that will echo to eternity and eternity through this church. When we, stick, we talk of, of, of Pretoria West, when we think of RBC in Malawi, it all started here 
at Living Hope. And I'm thankful to God for this church. And so it is my prayer that we as Living Hope would continue to plant Bible-teaching churches, Christ-centered churches, not here in Africa alone, but to the ends of the world. Our Savior is worthy. He is worthy to receive the full reward of his suffering. And we have the great privilege of making him known and gathering his children from all the nations. And so my aim here today, even as we're going to be looking at our text, is to only stay you up, is to attempt to stay you up, to stay you to worship, and not only worship, but to stay you also to action by pointing out and pointing all of us to the risen Christ. Our passage for today is found in Matthew 28, and we'll read from 16 through 20. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. It reads, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let us pray. God, this is your word, and bless indeed the reading of your word. Instruct our hearts now, God, even as we listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, we are on a mission. We are a church on a mission, a church that has been commissioned. From our passage, we look at three points, namely, the basis for our commission, and we'll look at verse 18. And second, we would look at the commission itself. What does it entail? What are we actually commit, commit, commanded to do? And we look at verse 19. And thirdly and lastly, how we will fulfill our commission. And we look at that from verse 19 to the end of verse 20. Before we discuss and go into our text, it's very important that we actually just understand and look at the setting of our story. Where we find this great commission that the Lord Jesus Christ declares to his disciples. The setting, if you were to think about it, is like an army that had assembled to listen to their next mission from their commander-in-chief. The army being the disciples. The disciples are the troops. 
They are the soldiers and they have gathered to listen to their commander in chief. The commander in chief is no one other than the risen savior, the Lord Jesus. This takes place after the resurrection of the Lord, before he actually ascended to heaven. In verse 11 through 15 of the same chapter, we see that there was a lot of stuff that was going on. The Jewish leaders were trying to, to hide the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ has resurrected. They trying to concoct some false story to make up a lie that no, he was stolen. His body was stolen by his disciples so that people cannot believe that Jesus rose the way he said he will. And in verse 16, while all this is happening in the background, we see the disciples contrasted. Their response is contrasted to everything else that everyone is doing there. The 11 disciples without Judas here, they went to Galilee as the Lord Jesus Christ commanded them. They believed the resurrection. They did not follow that line. And in verse 17, Matthew moves the story forward and he shows us two responses from the disciples when they saw Jesus. There was worship and there was also some who doubted. But we are not told why. What we know is that the disciples knew that Jesus had resurrected. So there was no doubt about that. So it's possible to, that some just wanted to be sure that indeed this was Jesus that they were seeing. Because also from the text, it seems like Jesus was at a distance at first. For it says, he came. Or some were just not sure what was going to happen next as they saw him. I mean, they had hoped at first that he would restore the kingdom of Israel. They had a certain expectation before. They had seen the Lord Jesus Christ. They had spent some time with him. They had seen him do miracles and do a lot of things. But guess what? He ended up dying. So some might have wondered what was going to happen next as they saw him. But Jesus... Being Jesus, gentle and loving in response to their doubt, he came to them. He does not rebuke them, oh you of little faith, as he has done previously. Instead, he gives them reassurance by declaring his universal authority. He settles their doubt by pointing them to himself. Church, if we ever doubt or ever slack in our commitment to Jesus, we should respond by doing nothing else but by looking and beholding Jesus. If we're going to do anything that Christ has commissioned us, that Christ has commanded us to go out and do, we are to look at him. Behold the risen Christ. And that leads us to our first point. 
the basis of our commission is Jesus' own authority. In verse 18, it says, it says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus declares here his universal authority. This is a reminder that there is spiritual warfare that is going on. So first it, is a, it was a declaration of his victory over any powers or authorities. As Colossians 2 verse 15 says, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Jesus declared the triumph of God's plan. He now reigns and he will reign and the mission of God will succeed because Jesus reigns and he has authority. He addresses the disciples. He reassures them here of their success in their mission. They will succeed in their mission because they were being commissioned by the authority of Jesus. So for them, victory was certain. Notice that it says there, all authority, meaning there is no sphere or place or situation that is excluded. Where Jesus' authority does not reach. This is universal authority. Jesus is above all. And everything is subjected to him. Who else has such authority in heaven or on earth that you know? There is only one. God himself. These words of Jesus testify to his deity. He is God, yet distinct from the Father. While he lived on earth, Jesus had limitations that applied throughout his incarnation. Although he was God, we read in Philippians, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Instead, he humbled himself, taking our form even to the point of death. When you read of the suffering servant in Isaiah 53, starting in 2. Isaiah writes there, For he grew up before him like a plant, a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom he, men hide their faces. He was despised. And we esteemed him not. This was Jesus when he came. As a lamb. But not anymore. Jesus is himself God. He is the son of man. That Daniel spoke of. When he said. In Daniel 7. 13 to 14. I saw in the night vision, and behold, that with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and, and a kingdom. And all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. 
which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Jesus is the king in God's kingdom, and God's kingdom is over all things. God has put all things in subjection under his feet, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15:27. As Jesus addressed his disciples, he was not a lamb to be slaughtered anymore. He was standing there as King Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is God, and it was appropriate that the disciples worshipped him. He is worthy of worship, to be valued above all else. He is the king, not just the king, he is our king. Jesus' declaration of authority, of his authority, had implications for the disciples as they listened to him and for us today. It meant that they had to carry out his order. They could not be unconcerned about his mission. There could not be any excuse of not obeying what he says. There could not be any distraction as he speaks to them and charging them. There was no reason for them to fear. There was no reason for them to doubt. All they needed to do was to trust and obey. Jesus' universal authority is the reason he could declare that he will build his church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. He is omnipotent. He has all the power. But I want us to look also in verse 20, but that he does not only have the power. At the end of verse 20, we see that Jesus also assured the disciples of his continued presence wherever they will be. As God, Jesus is also omnipresent. He is present everywhere. And by declaring his authority and promising his presence, Jesus really guaranteed the success of the mission that he was giving them. They could not fail. Victory was certain. So victory to the mission that has been given to the church is certain. We see that because he's sovereign, he could commission. He has that authority to do it. He wanted the disciples to move forward what he had started. And he assured them, and that is very important to remember, that success is certain because it is God 
himself who is at work through the church. That is what was just mentioned. God is at work in the world through his church. And we are the church of God. And this leads us to the second point. What is the commission? And in verse 19a, we read, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The commission Jesus gives his disciples here is to make disciples. Making disciples is the command that is to be obeyed. At the start of verse 19, we see that logical marker there. Therefore, that's indicating that the commission he gave was the base. The authority that he declared was the basis of the commission that now he was given. As one man puts it, Jesus' universal authority makes possible the universal mission. The commission was not only meant for the apostles. Some people might just say, you know what, this is for the apostles, not for us. But this was for all believers. Throughout the church age, the disciples who listened and heard, even the Lord, as the Lord Jesus Christ spoke, were the first runners in the relay. And the mission started from that time, and it continues, and it continues. Baton is being passed from one generation to the next as we move towards the fulfillment of what Christ has commanded. The commission involves going, as we can see in verse 19. But go here is not the command itself. Instead, it is a participle that assumes that the action is already taking place. It could be translated, as you go, as you are going, make disciples. Meaning, making disciples should happen. As they go. It is interesting that the focus of the command is on the end goal. That is making of the disciples. It does not say stand there and proclaim. Make the disciples. A disciple is a learner or a follower of Jesus Christ. This is someone who has been converted. He has repented of his sin and has put his faith in Christ for the forgiveness of his sin. He worships Jesus and serves him as Lord by following how Jesus lived and following what Jesus taught. A disciple not only just ends there, but he also takes on him the responsibility to spread out the news and to go out and make more disciples. So we are called to make disciples. Who would make disciples? Who would make disciples? Who would make disciples? Who would make disciples? To the point where we are even beyond. Because that is how it started. With the disciples who listened. They took Christ at his word. 
and they marched out after they had been commanded and commissioned. And one after the other, they discipled, they discipled, they discipled. And as they gathered, they formed churches. And as they grew, they went out and formed more churches. And they discipled. And guess what? The gospel has gotten to us through their work, through their faithfulness. We see that the task of making disciples goes far beyond just sharing the gospel. Evangelism is great, but it is only a means to the end. The goal is to make followers. Jesus is interested in followers. People who share allegiance to Christ. To take him at his word. To follow his way of life. And to do according to what he has taught. Discipleship requires commitment and dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Because he is the one who saves people. How humbling is that? We are to do this. Great. But we are to depend as we do. Because the power is with the one who has commissioned us. It's not like a soldier. Yes, as he was commanded, he goes and he goes there and he might shoot because he's given his own gun. To actually just go and say, I want this fight because I got this gun. The power is with the one who has commissioned. Jesus is the one who does the work. All he calls for us is to obey, to trust, depending on him, and to go out. As, as, as the disciples are made and converts come, they are added into churches and they grow. They expand, yes, to new regions and they expand to new areas. Local churches do not have a small task when it comes to discipleship and moving the mission of God forward. This is given to the church and the church gathers into all these local churches that we know. Bible-teaching churches, Christ-centered churches, Christ-exalting churches, not churches that are all about men, not churches that do not take the lordship and the authority of Jesus seriously. The task is for us, and we bless God for living hope. We bless God for many other churches that are like-minded that do this. This is why we need Bible teaching local churches. We need more Bible local, Bible churches that will teach the word faithfully. Where the pulpit is not used for just fame. Where men don't stand and point people to themselves so that they can re enrich themselves. 
but churches where people are going to be taught to follow Jesus. Because only those who follow Jesus, only those who are disciples of Jesus, have hope of eternal life and of dwelling with God, of seeing God, of worshipping God forever. That is the end goal, that God would be worshipped for he is worthy. And that is to us. The commission in verse 19 has a scope. The scope is make disciples of all nations. It is to all nations that these disciples must come. Nations here does not refer to countries where like South Africa, tick. Mozambique, tick. Zambia, tick. Instead, it refers to the different people groups in the world. People who have language and cultural distinctions. Think of the tribes in South Africa like the Zulus, the Tswanas. In the DRC, think of the Mongols, the Lubas. You go to Zim and you think of the Manikas and the Zezerus. It includes every race, every color, every language and culture in the world. In Matthew 10, verse 5 and 6, Jesus once sent out his disciples, the 12 at the time. He instructed them and he said, Go now among the Gentiles. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no towns of the Samaritans. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. What we see now in verse 19 of Matthew 28 is that that has changed. Jesus is no longer sending his disciples only to the lost sheep, the lost house of Israel. Previously he had said, don't go to the Gentiles. This is the focus. Don't go there, stay here. These are only your people. But now Christ comes having the universal authority, so he declares the universal mission. The scope has changed. The mission is worldwide now. And this is not surprising, because God has always had nations, nations of the world, in his plans. And Jesus has always been the center. This is not a new thing. Jesus is Eve's promised seed in the Old Testament and the ultimate offspring of Abraham through whom all nations of the world would be blessed. Think of the promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis 12 verse 3. He said, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And in Genesis 22 verse 17 and 18, he says, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and your offspring shall and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. It is not by chance also when you read the gospel of Matthew and you look at how Matthew starts his gospel. He starts his gospel by tracing the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ from Abraham when you read in Matthew 1, verse 2. 
There Matthew wanted to show his recipients that Jesus is the Messiah that God has spoken of, that they were actually expecting. He's the offspring of Abraham, the son of man that Daniel who saw in his vision. He's the son of man who was given the everlasting dominion. God has always had nations in his plans. And it is no wonder when you go also into Revelation, you look ahead. Revelation 5, we see the host of heaven praising Jesus, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. Church, we are involved in something so big. It's exciting to think about it. Jesus uses his church to gather people from all nations who will worship him forever. The goal, the end goal is that God would be praised for his glory and for his grace. What a privilege we have. We get to do this. What a privilege we have been given. Why would we not go? Why would we not do this? The one who commands us is the one who has all authority and all power. He is the Lord. God has many people in the nations who still do not know him, who do not worship him. Jesus died for their sin. Some of them don't even know it. They do not follow him. And the charge again, church, that commission has been given to us to reach them and to make them followers of Jesus. We are to plant churches with the aim to disciple those that Jesus adds to his church. We are to aim to disciple. We're not interested in just people, numbers, and people who just identify with Christianity. Jesus wants followers. People who swear allegiance to him by denying themselves, coming to him. Naked as they are, standing, saying, save us, Lord, or we die. There's nothing else we can do unless you save us. Help us, Lord. As Jesus works in their hearts and he pulls them, he adds them to the church. We are to plant churches that would take that work of discipling, teaching, commanding them everything to observe everything that Christ has given us. To do this may mean that we have to go to other places to start new churches. Or it may mean that we might need to go to other places to join new church plants. And that is why we are excited as Living Hope every time there is an opportunity to plant churches. Every time there's an opportunity for the gospel to advance and you see people going out, taking this commission seriously. 
But that is not all that there is. It's not only that we'll go. You can also use your finances to support the mission of God here at Living Hope and thinking and dreaming together as a church. Having our family meetings, sitting and bouncing heads. Imagine how exciting it would be. We sit in the church family meeting and every time we're going, when are we going next? Where is the next place? Where on the map are we putting the next dot? Where in Pretoria are the next people where there is no access to good churches? South Africa is even more blessed because we have had many, many nations, people from different nations, people from different tribes, races coming down. The University of Pretoria is full of them. Our city is full of them. We have plenty opportunity to do that. How exciting it is when as a church we do this. And we bless God that God has given us opportunities already in this church to be able to do this. And that is why we love the local church. Because together we hold these hands and we march as troops who have been commanded taking the gospel out, discipling, making followers. Let's bless God for what God has done even for us here. Our gathering like this is not by chance. He has brought us together. And every church, wherever it is, the true church of Christ, has gathered his people there on purpose. And knowing how we need to hold these hands together and march forward. Moving with one mind and one accord. What a blessing. And this now leads us to the third and last point. How we fulfill our commission. Verse 19 and 20 there, 19b, 20 says, Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus says disciples are to be baptized and taught to observe all that he commanded. Water baptism is one of the ordinances that the Lord gave us as the church. Through baptism, we formally recognize or identify those who are in Christ. Water baptism does not save anyone. Instead, it is an outward public proclamation of what God has done in the heart. And that happens once. That is why only a person who has made a proclamation of faith in Jesus is baptized. It is done in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Here again we see the Lord Jesus Christ right there showing himself, I am God. 
is not done in the three names of God. It's done in the name of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There is the Trinity but one God and Jesus himself showing there, I am God. And of equal importance in discipleship, not only is baptism that we would need to perform as we recognize those that Christ has really saved. It is the role of teaching. Very, very important, the role of teaching. We teach the commands of Jesus. As people are brought to repentance and faith in the Lord, they are to be instructed in the teaching of Jesus so that they can observe what he wants them to observe so that they can grow into maturity and fully equipped to do what Christ has called them to do, to go out and make disciples who will make disciples who would make disciples and make disciples until the church comes to the full accomplishment of the mission at the end of the age. It will not stop. It will not stop until Christ comes. Until every one of the people that Christ has died for has been counted in. We are to do this. We are to teach. We need to take the word of God seriously. And I'm glad that for years and years we have seen how the word of God has been faithfully proclaimed from this pulpit. We have seen how the word of God has been proclaimed and continues to be proclaimed in many churches that are like-minded, like living hope. And we bless God for that. For there cannot be any discipleship without proper faithful teaching of the commands that Christ said needs to be observed. The, the task of teaching the word of God to his people cannot be substituted for anything. In Acts, the local churches became central to the task of making disciples. And that should continue today. We read there, starting in Acts 2 verse 41, that those who believed the message of the apostles were baptized and were added to the local church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. And as the disciples spread throughout the nations, guess what they did? They continued the same beat. They observed the command. They went out and made disciples. Who made disciples? Who made disciples? Who made disciples? Until the gospel came to our shores. This is proof that Jesus' method of gathering his followers works. There is no other way of doing this. It's through the work of the local church. Jesus' method works. We have the gospel in Africa. We have the gospel in South Africa. Look how far it came from. 
because of people who obeyed and did nothing else but discipled after they discipled after they discipled after they discipled. These are the type of churches that we are to plant. But the task remains. There are tribes, as I have said, where Jesus is not known. And as I end, family, my prayer is that the Lord would continue to help us as living hope to advance his mission. We have been given the privilege and God has even given us opportunities as living hope. So let us take time to praise him and thank him for those opportunities that he has given us. Even as we see now in Pretoria West, elders being installed, we praise God for that. As we hear of Newton in Malawi, planting another church and setting up now Brother Emmanuel to go out and plant another church, working with other people to just spread the gospel in that central part of the country and up. Let's thank God for these opportunities that God has given us as living hope. Let us pray that he would give us wisdom to plan and continue planning. And let's pray that God, even as Pastor Andres spoke earlier, that God would raise men in our midst, men and women who would be faithful to say, I want to do this. Nothing else would matter, but I will do this. We are to do this until the end of age. And we will succeed. The mission will not fail. Victory is certain because the great I am says, I am with you always. Jesus is with us. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, worthy indeed are you to receive all honor and praise. Worthy are you to receive the full reward of your suffering. Lord, we bless your name. And we say indeed you are great. You have all the authority. And we thank you that you chose weak men like us to advance, O oh Lord God, your mission in the world, to gather people who would worship you. We bless you for the opportunities that we have as Living Hope. We thank you for what you continue just to do in this church. We thank you for the partnership that we have with other churches that are like-minded. And we pray, O oh God, Father, that you continue just to give us boldness to do this as we march forward to the ends of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.